You better stand up if you're a male. I'm going to wonder about you. <clears throat> We're having a, our annual Beast Feast Saturday after next where we, uh, we come in here, we are men and we are male and we are proud of it. And we're going to have a great, great time, eat all kinds of different, sometimes they have brought, it, it's what some of them have hunted and killed on their own. Or ran into. Or ran into. Ran over. One guy brought some roadkill once. No, I'm kidding. Won't be any roadkill. But guys, set aside the time. It's a great time. One of our very own, Bob um, Whalen, who has an incredible testimony is going to be sharing with us. It's a great, great time for all of us guys. So men, not this Saturday, but the next, 8 o'clock in the morning. Amen. April 17th. We'll be here April 17th. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. David, stay standing. <clears throat> all you hunters who have weird stuff, uh, exotic meats that you've killed or caught, see David. All right. And, I think uh, we had rattlesnake once, too. Yeah. Rattlesnake. All right, Fran, stand up for just a minute. We have a, uh, this is Fran Lyons, and she's going to be out in the lobby after the service. One of our members, longtime members, has um, been put into in-home hospice. He's a veteran of World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. And so we're going to want to do what we can to help his wife, Mary, during this difficult time. And Fran is going to be taking volunteers. Basically, we need everything. We need visitors. Uh, we need people to sit with him on Thursday while Mary goes out to shop and get her hair done. Uh, we need people to um, take meals from time to time. So whatever you can do, if you'll see Fran, and she'll help organize that. And she'll be back by the coffee bar. All right. Okay, Fire on the Rock with Brendan. Are you going back here? All right, Fire on the Rock. God bless you. You're free to go. There they go. Amen. And while they're going out, let's, uh, let's stand up, everybody. We're going to pray one more time. And um, we're going to look at tonight at the catastrophe of the great flood. And after tonight, we're going to be looking at starting all over again. And we're headed towards the Tower of Babel and finishing what we had begun in the book of Genesis. How many of you enjoyed this series? And it been a good one. Now, if we were to do a series on Romans... The, the Roman road. Would anybody want that? Yeah. On the book of Romans, would you? I'm just feeling it out now. What about Acts 29? There ain't no 29. I was going to say, it's a trick, gotcha. man. It's a trick. <laughs> First book of Moses. I'm, I, I'm just messing around with you. But the book of Romans, that'd be good? Okay. Okay. Uh, and, and not vert, every single vert, but the Roman road. And look at, because that's the greatest, that is, well, I'm, that's what I'm looking at. Don't know for sure. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for speaking to us tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your incredible word. Establish us and root us and ground us in it that we might be secure no matter what winds are blowing or waves are rolling. And thank you for giving us the ability to answer our generation with confidence in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And let's, uh, let's look at this now. <clears throat> Last time we saw that prior to the great flood, 
The sins of mankind had reached critical mass. And boy, it was bad. But once again, what did Jesus say about those days? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. So we can very safely say, before the coming of Christ, sin will once again have reached critical mass in the culture. And how many of you believe it's gotten that way in the West anyway where we live? Yeah? All right. According to Genesis, all of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Violence had filled the earth and morality had plunged into the abyss. With something amazing, the sons of God, that is fallen angels, having relations with the daughters of men, which were the women of the descendants of Cain, with the offspring producing wicked giants called Nephilim. Now that can sound like a Grimm's fairy tale. That can sound like a, like a fable or a myth. The only problem with that is it's not. You say, well, you know, how could that have been, Pastor Jeff? Angels with women. Well, remember, many times in the Old Testament, angels appeared as men. Ate, talked, walked with people. Uh, Hebrews warns us, be careful how you entertain people or how you treat people. You might be entertaining an angel unaware. Now, I don't think this kind of thing can take place in the New Covenant since the sacrifice of Jesus, but it did take place in those days. Okay? Now, God's final decision is summed up in chapter 6, verse 13 of Genesis. The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And God said, Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And the way God said he would do it was by a great flood. Look what he said. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. Who did he say that to? He told that to Noah. Can you imagine being a man? There's no Bible because it didn't exist yet because Moses had not arrived yet. So here is Noah with no Bible. He is not surrounded by people of faith. He is surrounded by a completely reprobate generation. And all of a sudden, God Almighty, we don't know if he spoke to him audibly. We don't know if it was an impression on his heart. We don't know how it came to him, but this amazing message came to him. Noah, I'm going to wipe out all life on earth. Can you imagine receiving that word? Can you imagine? And not being able to go to anybody, no church, no fellowship, and share what God had given you? And all of a sudden, the weight is on you to build a giant boat and to preach what you have heard from God? This, this man, Noah, was amazing. If he lived today, we would consider him an incredible man of faith. But back then, he was beyond unusual, beyond extraordinary. His faith was heroic. Now, what was Noah's response to this incredible word? By faith. Everybody say, by faith. by faith. Oh, by faith. Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, he was afraid. He was moved with fear. How many of you would have been moved with fear? And he prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, 
and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. He was declared righteous by his faith response to the Word of God, just like you have been. The minute you said, I believe God, Jesus forgive me of my sins, you were declared righteous. In pre-Christ days, in the Old Testament days, when you believe the Word of God, God declared you righteous. Now here's Noah receiving the Word of God. And he said, I believe it. And he, and he put feet to, his, uh, feet to his faith. He put action to what he believed. And he prepared that ark. And when every time that hammer swung, he was condemning his generation. Every time. Now, I don't mean preaching condemnation. I mean his faith and his obedience to the Word of God was a condemnation to an unbelieving generation. He became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. He's in heaven right now. Yet true to God's nature in the midst of a totally depraved world, he had a plan of redemption for anyone willing to repent, and he had a man for the plan. And you know what? The Lord's always had a man for the plan. He's always had a man for the plan, or a woman for the plan. But he's always got a man for the plan. God pledged himself to save all those who believed his word, the plan of salvation. For the ancient world was the same as for today. Think about it. There must be a response to God's word. If you live in Noah's day, here's Noah preaching. God's going to judge the earth. It's all going to be wiped out, but there is an answer. Get into the ark. Nobody believed him. But it was the same message. Our message is not a big boat. It's a big Messiah. It is Jesus, and he is the ark of the new covenant. And our message to people today is there will be no protection in the day of judgment, but in that ark, the ark of the new covenant, his name is Jesus. That is the only protection when the judgment falls. That's it. He's our ark for salvation, and salvation is available only in him. Only in him. There was only one boat. Only one ark. That's it. You didn't look around and say, well, I believe the flood's coming. I'm just going to pick a high tree or get up on a high mountain. No, God said there's only one boat, and it's the ark. And if you're not in that ark, you're going to perish. Folks, it's the same message. There's only one Messiah. There's only one Redeemer. There's only one Christ. There's only one man who spilled his blood for our sins. You don't have a bunch of options. Get into that ark or perish. That's the answer. The ark provided shelter from the storm, and it also provided sustenance for all who were inside. When you got in that ark of Noah's, everything you needed to sustain you was there. God took care of every bit of it. Every need was anticipated by God and it was met. And it's the same with every one of God's children in Jesus Christ. He not only saves, but he satisfies and meets every spiritual need of those who trust in him. Every need you've got is already anticipated by God and met in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Makes you want to be a Jesus person, doesn't it? Makes you want to be a Jesus person. Now, God instructed Noah to build an ark that would house two of every species of animal and bird. I love this. People say, oh, come on, Pastor Jeff. 
You don't really believe that? Oh, I, I so believe it. Of course I believe it. Look what God said. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms, and you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Pitch was a tar, a tar-like substance. And guess what it did? It waterproofed and it soundproofed the ark from the cries of the damned. When you got in the ark and the door was shut because of the pitch, you could not hear the cries of the drowning and the screaming and the panicking outside. The animals and other creatures said God would come to him by the supernatural calling of the Spirit. This is one of my favorite parts. Two of every kind heard a divine yoo-hoo. Yoo-hoo, come this way. And you know, God is still a God of a divine yoo-hoo. Do you know that? And, and he'll call you to something. Yoo-hoo. He really will. And two of every kind, look at this, two of every kind of bird. This is uh, Revelation 6, verse 20. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. So here's two cardinals somewhere off. Yoo-hoo. And the cardinals flew towards the ark. By patience, the snail reached the ark. Every Two of every kind heard the call. You know, God calls. If he can call two of every kind of animal, can he not call people? Can he not call people? I mean, we saw it Sunday morning, all these people stretched from end to end that God was calling. God's a caller. And the God who ordered the ravens to feed Elijah twice a day directed the creatures of the earth to make their way to Noah. What a sight that must have been. Here they came, two by two. The antelope, bears, the deer, the groundhog, squirrels, mice. The vast variety of birds flew, two by two of each kind, to their new temporary abode. I can't tell you how that moves me because I see something there. The divine call of God before judgment. Mm -mm -mm. Are you ready? The ark was to be the dwelling of insects. Two ants walked in. How many of you would have said, no, no, you're out. Or, or how about cockroaches? You're not coming in. Um, but they did. And you know what? So did two rattlesnakes. So did two cobras. And there is no question in my mind that God subdued them those five months they were in the ark. The serpent's lair was the dwelling place. Or the, the ark was the dwelling place of the serpent's lair, the serpent. And that was the lion's den. Lions and tigers and bears, ha-ha. Throughout history, God has always witnessed to a generation. Now watch this carefully because this so matters to us right now. When God's going to judge a generation, he's always witnessed to that generation in two ways. By faithful preaching and by fulfilled prophecy. By sermons and by signs. Noah did the preaching. We know that he was the preacher. He was the only one. 
He was the only one that had heard God. So he was the preacher. Look what it says in 2 Peter 2 verse 5. He, that is God, did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but he protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, his family members. So there was a preacher in that day, and his name was Noah. As he built the ark, he preached. As he preached, he built the ark. So there was the witness of a preacher, and his message was simple. Judgment is coming on this world. God's going to judge this world. If you don't get into this ark, you're going to lose your life. You're going to perish. God is wiping out the planet. That was his message. Nobody believed him. So he was the preacher now. Methuselah... The oldest man in the Bible lived to be, I believe, 969. Hadn't looked recently. I think it was 969. Lived to be 969 years old. He was one of the prophecies fulfilled in front of the very eyes of the doomed generation. You say, why Methuselah? Here's why. His very name meant, when he dies, it shall come. And they knew that. They knew that back then. Names meant something back then. Everybody knew what their name meant. So the death of Methuselah was an ominous sign. He died just prior to the flood. Noah knew him. Enoch knew him, who was raptured away. So that was a sign. Now let me tell you what our Methuselah is. There's lots of them, but let me tell you a big one. When Israel became a nation again in 1948, you read your Bible, you read Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, you read all through the prophets, and you will see a continual, endless theme. The theme is, my people who I have scattered to the four corners of the world, I'm going to regather them into their homeland, and they are going to become a nation in a day. When that happened in 1948... That was a Methuselah. That was God saying to this generation, you better pay attention to this. You better watch at what's happening around you. You better look at the prophetic signs that are coming to pass because I minister to a generation under judgment in two ways, preaching and prophecy. Sermons and signs. We got preachers everywhere and prophecies are coming to pass so fast ladies and gentlemen, that it, uh, uh, you can't hardly keep up with it so fast. The Lord is soon, near. He's very near. He is at the door. Jesus said, when you see all these things coming to pass, these signs, prophetic signs, you better lift up your head. Your redemption is right around the corner. Okay? Now, another prophetic sign had to have been all the animals beating a path to Noah's door to seek refuge in the ark. Yet that sign was ignored. Can you imagine living in Noah's neighborhood and seeing the rabbits and the deer and the bear and the lions walking up two by two to the ark? Would you not scratch your head and say, hey, hey, what, is, what, how, what in the world? We're usually chasing those deer, hunting those deer. What are they doing just walking up to him and walking up into that funny thing he's building? But you know that it took time. He was on the ark for 120 years or so. And when the time for judgment came, the call went out. 
And these animals began to come. And the birds began to fly. And the insects began to crawl. All at the same time. You think that wasn't a sign? And yet they ignored it. It's amazing how blind spiritual blindness is. It's worse than natural. Okay, let's look at the ark. The ark was never intended to be a ship. It was not a ship. It was a huge enclosed chest. It was a barrel designed to house and preserve a large number of living creatures. That's what it was for. It was for function, not looks. It took Noah about 120 years to complete the project. During this time, he preached to his generation while building the ark. Scripture says that Noah's obedience condemned his lawless generation. Quote, by faith, Noah being warned of God. Once again, we're reading it out of Hebrews. Of things not yet seen, moved with fear, and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Folks, just because it's not seen doesn't mean it's not real or that it's not there. A lot of things aren't seen yet, but they're on the way. And when you're walking in faith, what's on the way is as good as there. And he condemned the world, becoming an heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. All one needed to do in Noah's day was believe the word of God and take one step of faith into that ark. I think when God finally spoke to him and said, all right, it's about to happen, I think he, I think he walked out there and let it go in his preaching like he never had before. Hurry, quick, do it now, get in. It's there for you, and nobody listened. The word of repentance in that day was simply come and the word of our day is the same come come to jesus the ark of the new covenant step by faith in the safety of his name and blood and i want to say to everyone here and everyone listening by radio listen carefully you won't find salvation in another there is no help in another there is no answer other than Jesus Christ himself who gave his life for you. And this ark is a type and a shadow of New Testament truth. And our message to everyone is not just uh, get religious or get into church, but come to the ark. Come to Jesus and let his blood cover you. Because once that blood covers you, you're in the ark. And when the judgment comes, your boat will float. All right? Now, whosoever will, the Bible says in Revelations, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Whosoever will. There it sat, the ark, the door wide open, the invitation given, the opportunity clear. Yet not one man, woman, or child headed or heeded the word of God to take advantage of God's salvation or paid any attention to the clear signs sent by God. Not one of them sat around the dinner table and said, you know what, honey, I think we ought to be listening to that old man. There's something about him that rings true. Maybe we ought to get into that ark. No, they all just ate and drank, married and giving in marriage until the day the flood came. On that solemn last day, the Lord then said to Noah, go in. After 120 years of building, go in go into the ark you and your whole family round them up get them in because i have found you righteous in this generation 
Seven days from now, look what God said. Seven days from now, I'm sending rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. It's never going to stop. It's not going to stop. And I'll wipe from the face of the earth every living creature that I have made. No, the time has come. Get in. It's going to be seven days. Notice there was even further delay of God's judgment. One week of extended mercy. Isn't that like our God? One week of extended mercy. He could have said, get in now. It's coming now. Get in quick and shut the door. But no, God gave one more week of extended mercy. Everybody got to see him go in. And that said to them, he thinks that what he's been telling you is imminent. But nobody did a thing. Noah and his family went into that ark, and for a full week nothing happened. No doubt to the great merriment of the ungodly. Ah, ha, ha, look at that silly old man. Built that big tub. He's in it, and not one thing has happened. Little did the careless antediluvians imagine that they were frittering away the last lingering remnant of God's patience. And I personally believe that's what our world is doing right now. The church is being mocked. Christ is being blasphemed. Rejected, scorned, ridiculed, abused. The blood is being trampled. Men are laughing at the word of God. They have become flagrant in their sin, flaunting it before God. And I sense that as God gave them one week, one week, one last week after 120 years, one week, do it now, do it quickly. You see them all in there. They're all in there. That's where you need to be. Not one person did it. They thought it was a great big joke. But it was the lingering remnant of God's patience. They continued to abuse his grace. They abused his long suffering and his kindness for the very last time. That extra week of grace was intended to bring them to repentance. Look what the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9. People say, ah, oh, you know, yeah, 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 the Lord's coming back. This, of course, this Easter, one of the major uh, secular magazines, might have been Time or Newsweek, is Christ ever really going to return negative, doubting, mocking, but Peter anticipated this by the Holy Spirit and said, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone to come to repentance. And so the Lord waits. But I'm telling you, folks, in heaven there is an hourglass, and it's turned upside down. And according to the Bible, the final grains of sand are sifting through. While this world more and more and more mocks and ridicules the Christ we preach. They're doing the same thing they did in Noah's day, as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What they do? They mock the old man. The crazy old man down the street building that boat. Not even any water. God's patient. The rain began to fall. Can you imagine? Noah's in the ark. The family's in the ark. The door's been shut. And everybody's waking up early in the morning, and this is what they hear. 
At first it seemed, oh, how nice, a rain, but then it didn't stop, and it didn't stop, and it didn't stop, and it did not stop. And puddles became creeks, which became rivers, which became ponds and lakes, and the water began to rise. Till finally this sound began to put terror into them. According to Genesis, on that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah, and they all entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. Then look who shut the door. Who shut it? So that it wouldn't have to be on any human's conscience. You know why God shut it? Because it was God's execution. It was God's judgment. It wasn't man's. God didn't require Noah to shut the door. He did it for him. And it will be just the same when final judgment falls upon the earth in our time. God himself will shut the door of opportunity. It's going to happen, church. Trust me. Right where you're sitting, I tell you by the word of God, it's going to happen. Judgment is going to come. As surely as we sit here tonight, it's going to come. Just like it did in Noah's day, it's going to come. Are you in the ark? The Bible goes on to say Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. On that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of the heavens were open and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, a deluge. For 40 days and nights. We know what it does here when it rains a few days nonstop. Everything floods. Think of 40 days and nights of a constant deluge. Commentator John Phillips writes these words. Quote, Did that day dawn as bright and as sunny as any that had gone before? Or did the people start from their beds awakened by an appalling thunderclap and a sudden terrifying downpour of rain? which kept on coming and coming as the rivers burst their banks and the angry tides ripped in from the sea? Or was there just a slight drizzle at first and an overcast sky? We're not told. All we know is that a mysterious hour struck in the eternal counsels of God. And then all creation, above and below, arose to do the bidding of God and scour a planet rendered vile by filthy men. There likely has never been a water-faring craft designed to endure such an avalanche of storms and lightning bolts and gigantic waves of destruction. First the waters increased and bore up the ark. It began to float and the eight people inside could feel it. Then the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. Finally, the Bible says, all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered before the torrential downpour of rain was finished, the hungry floods scoured the very mountaintops 
searching out every sinner's hiding place. There was no escape. Only those in the ark were safe. The waters of the flood were total in their sweep of the planet. They drove every living thing to higher and higher ground until even the mountain peaks were submerged to a depth of 15 cubits. Now think about this, the highest mountain. One cubit was equal to the distance from the elbow to the tip of the middle finger, about 17 and 22 inches. So 15 cubits equaled approximately 300 inches or 25 feet. So the highest mountain was under 25 feet of water. Have you ever noticed that men always try to hide from the judgments of God? You have fools who will say, well, I'll, uh, I'll just uh, party with my buddies in hell or I'll get right right before I die. You're a fool because you probably won't. You're a fool. I say to you in love. Statistics, uh, stats show us that precious few people ever repent when they're dying. If you don't do it when you're alive and can think clearly, you're probably not going to do it at all. They foolishly think they can escape his wrath, the wrath they were warned was coming. It'll be the same when Christ returns to judge the world. Look at Revelations predicts. Quote, there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. This is yet to happen. The whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll being rolled up. And every mountain and island was removed. Every mountain and island was removed from its place. And what did the people do? The kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks in the mountains. Sounds just like people trying to get to the highest place to escape the flood. But later, this is what they're going to do in the future. Uh, they hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And what do they end up doing? Oh, mountain, fall on me to hide me from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? It's coming, church. Aren't you glad you're in the ark? I mean, I said, aren't you glad you're in the ark? I'm telling you. And I don't say that uh, in any gloating fashion, that's for sure. Because not one of us would be in the ark if not for grace. The Bible records the totality of the great flood's devastation. Look at what it says about this flood. For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased... They lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains, Everest, the Himalayas, the Alps, all of them under the entire heavens were covered in water. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet, verse 20 says. Verse 21, every living thing that moved on the earth perished. Every living thing, birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth 
and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Men and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. And let me just take this forward now. When it happens again, only the church will be left and those in the ark. What a terrible, tragic scene. What a snapshot of the horrid effects of sin. How it must have broken God's heart to watch this awful tragedy unfold. The earth became a spinning ball of water, bereft of all life but that which the ark held in its saving grip. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Think about it. For five full months, the waters covered the sea while Noah and his family thanked God for a salvation that kept them secure through it all. Mount Ararat, the great peak upon which the ark finally rested, stands midway between Gibraltar and the Caspian Sea and midway between the Cape of Good Hope and the Bering Strait. There is Mount Ararat. It towers 16,254 feet into the sky. It was 25 feet underwater. Maybe it was the last resort of Earth's fleeing multitudes, hurrying, panic-stricken, up its slopes, pursued by the relentless tides. Now there you have it. There's Ararat right in the middle of that map. And those of you listening by radio, we're showing a map of uh, Turkey and the Black Sea and Russia and Georgia and Armenia, Iraq, Syria, Cyprus, Egypt. And right um, east of Turkey is Mount Ararat. And there it is. And guess what? Next week we're going to see that from that location through Ham, Shem, and Japheth, the future races of mankind would repopulate the globe. Next time, let's read it together, starting all over again. Can we stand together? Ah, I'll tell you, we're going to do everything we can to preach the gospel of Christ, the ark of the new covenant, to people. And how many of you want to help us reach people all over the country? How many of you can see America as a mission field these days? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your incredible word. And Lord, how solemn your word is tonight as we read how the entire planet was devastated and wiped out by the great flood of the judgment of God. And we know, Lord, that that judgment is coming again. Not a great flood, but the judgment of the Lamb. And we pray that you'll grace our church, grace us as people. Let the word gallop from this church, the word of repentance and the word of salvation and the word of healing and deliverance. To the nations of the world and to the states within our own nation. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's sing one right before we leave. Let's sing God good. Is so good. If you believe he's good, lift your hands and just worship him. God, God is so good. Yes, Lord. God.
coming soon. Sing it now. He's coming soon. Oh, I know it's true. Give the Lord a hand of praise just because he's good. Is that it? Okay.